Scripture reading today is going to be back in the book of Galatians as Pastor leads us through the book of Galatians chapter 3. We are doing reading verses 1 through 9. As you turn there, uh, <clears throat> just want to remind everybody that Ignite Youth Group is tonight, 6.15 to 8 o'clock. We've been having a really good time, so come on out. Uh, I won't be playing games this week because my knees and shoulders just can't take it every week. <laughs> We're getting there, though. little stretching regiment in the middle of the week, and we'll be just fine. Uh, <laughs> and also, I want to remind you, young adults, uh, Bible study also meets uh, every Wednesday, 6.30 to 8 o'clock. That's every Wednesday. 6.30 to 8 o'clock. When Awana starts up, we're going to talk about what night we're moving it to and how many nights we're just going to have dinner. Uh, so, because as Pastor says, the youth can eat and so can Pastor Steve. So, uh, and I will say, we've been having a fantastic time with the young adults as well. A few weeks ago, we got ice cream. So, if you haven't been coming out, that's what you're missing. Just saying. We do ice cream. All right, so anyway, Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed in God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures look towards this, look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his, in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ... Share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this day to come and hear your word. Worship your name through singing and prayer, Lord. Lord, I ask that uh, you would be in our congregation today, that you would uh, prepare our hearts and minds to hear your truth and your word. Lord, I pray for those uh, watching online who are at home. I ask that you would bless their hearts today. Lord, be with us this week as we go forward. Uh, guide our hearts and minds as we uh, go to our places of work, Lord. Let us be the, the city on a hill for you, um, the light that shines in the darkness, Lord. And I ask that we would take what we hear today, both in this sermon, in this, in this service, and in Sunday school, Lord, and we would apply it to our lives to serve you. I ask and pray all these things in your name. Amen. Pictures have a way of transporting us from the present to the past. We can look at a picture 
and remember exactly where we were when it was taken, the circumstance behind of what it was taken, and maybe even chuckle about the picture itself. If you come up to the parsonage, my wonderful wife and I have two easy chairs. You know the kind that you pull the handle, and you are in sleep heaven. But in between our chairs is an end table that has a picture that many have looked at and laughed. It's a picture of 1974, our wedding picture. There aren't many people who would wear hush puppies with a tuxedo. There aren't many people who would look as thin as I used to be. But the reaction usually is the same. They'll look and they'll say, whose picture is that? And, when we, and my wife says, well, that's pastors in my picture, and they start laughing. That's great for building the spirit, amen? But pictures have a win. I remember that day. It was, it was hot and humid. I mean, August the 3rd in upstate New York is hot. And it was humid that day. And I was 19 years old, which makes it even better that my wife saw fit to stay with me for 46 years. We remember those days, don't we? As young as we were, as carefree as we were, that all changed the next year when our oldest daughter, Stephanie, arrived on the scene, August the 15th. I remember one time going to the emergency room with my daughter, Jackie. She had cut her finger pretty severely. And the person asked me, what's your daughter's birthday? I said, I don't know. I looked at Jackie, tell him your birthday. I don't keep that. My wife's got that all down. I don't need to know that. The pictures have a way of of transporting us. Jesus, as it says, as the Apostle Paul begins in chapter 3 of Galatians, it says that the death of Christ was portrayed for them to see. A portrait, if you will. A display of an event that they may not have been there for that event seeing that this particular letter was written years after Jesus Christ had died according for our sins, according to the scriptures, was buried and rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. But the Apostle Paul tells these Galatians that there was a picture that was painted before you. Jesus was portrayed as the only hope of eternal life. And they grasped onto it. But the problem is, is that all of a sudden, they have been bewitched. A spell has been cast upon them. And the Apostle Paul says to them, O foolish Galatians. That word foolish there does not mean an individual that lacks knowledge 
It's not about an individual who cannot read, cannot communicate. No, that particular word there, foolish. And whenever you see that word foolish in the scriptures, it's in reference to a lack of spiritual understanding. In other words, they missed out. They had forgotten, if you will, what the original gospel that was preached to them, they were searching for something else. And we know, according to the book of Acts, in chapter 14, that there were a group of individuals called Judaizers who were following the Apostle Paul around and making sure that when he left town, they would come in. And there were even times when Paul was in town that they stirred up the people of the town because they wanted to make sure that you followed the law to be really saved. And so the Apostle Paul in this passage, verses 1 to 5, asks four interesting questions. The questions that are there for you in your study guide, if you wish to mark them down, that's fine, but... I want you to be aware of the fact that in these questions are dynamic truth. The kind of questions that you don't really need to answer because the answer is in the question. It's the kind of question that when you come home and the house is a mess and you go to your children and you ask them, did you make this mess? You're not not looking for an answer back. It's a rhetorical question. Of course they made that mess. So the Apostle Paul has four questions. The first question is this. On what basis is your identification? On what basis is your identification? We call it being justified. The Apostle Paul says, by what are you saved? Are you saved by the law, or are you saved by the gospel that was preached to you? Our identification. And we all carry an identification in our pocketbooks or our wallets or whatever that let individuals know who we are. They want to see our driver's license. When you come to make a purchase and they don't know who you are, they would like some identification, and so we show them our driver's license. But here, the Apostle Paul is saying in verse 2, when he comments, this only I want to hear from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of It is a theological situation, a theological study, that when an individual who trusts the Lord Jesus Christ as their only hope of eternal life, and it's done by grace through faith, they receive something that they never had before. They receive into their being the very presence of the one called Holy Spirit. It's the individual that the apostle uh, is written to us in John's gospel in chapter 15 and chapter 16. He's the promised comforter. He's referred to as the another comforter who will come. 
And Jesus said, it it's, depends on me leaving so that he can come. And when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. So I guess the question that would be on my, be on my lips to the situation is, are they listening to truth or who are they paying attention to? Now, I don't know if you know this or not, and it's a good thing for you to know is this, is that the new nature that we get empowered by the Holy Spirit, I'm going to say something that's going to drive you nuts, but that's okay. It is impossible for that person, Holy Spirit, new nature, to sin. It cannot. But what we have, as described for us in Romans chapter 7, we got an old factory. The old factory is shut down, but yet what it created while it was in operation has left a lot of garbage. And we struggle with old nature versus new nature. New nature cannot and does not sin. It's the effects of the old nature. I wish I had about three days to be able to go through that theology for you, but come to class which is immediately after this service, and we'll get into that later. And so the Apostle Paul is saying that how did you get your identification? In other words, who is it or what is it that you're trusting in? Is it works? Did you receive your new life by what you could do? Or was it by the presence of the preaching of the Word of God whereby through the gospel and you trusting in the portrait of Jesus Christ, you received the Holy Spirit? Of course, we all know that receiving the Holy Spirit is that which happens only by grace through faith. Moving right along, I've, I've got to do this because I want to spend a lot more time on the closing of this particular uh, passage. But the second question is this. On what basis is your sanctification? How did you get your identification and on what basis is your sanctification? Now this is the struggle for a lot of believer people. Because the Apostle Paul says that we are to work out our salvation. In other words, there are some things that we should be doing, but the issue behind this is, for what reason are we doing it? Sanctification is the process by which, day by day, moment by moment, year by year, month by month, we are growing into the image of Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 8 verse 29. It's a process that we are allowed to be a part of in order to become more mature. The text, you may very well have the same text that Pastor Steve had. It talked about being perfected, mature. How is the believer person maturing in Jesus Christ? Is it by works alone or is it by faith? Habakkuk struggled with that because he finally realized in Habakkuk chapter 2 when he said, the just shall live by faith. 
The same thing the Apostle Paul wrote, writes in Romans, the just shall live by faith. We will get to that in the book of Galatians, the just shall live by faith. You see, if our works that we do are not fueled by the faith that we have in Jesus Christ, we're just spinning our wheels and going nowhere. Our works need to be fueled by faith. We Christians have a tough time with works because we're sort of like an individual in the circus. You may have seen the individual who can balance and spin plates on a, on a rod. And he keeps them spinning. You, you see he's running back and forth and making sure that they're being spun and they're, in, and they're all level. And he, he wastes his time going back and forth trying to keep those plates spinning. And we, as believer people, when it comes to doing works that are based upon us in order to get ourselves matured, we're spinning plates. We're running around trying to make sense of the spiritual life. When the Apostle Paul here to the Galatians and to us this morning at Grace Community Church would say, stop by faith. Do it. By faith. It's a good thing to read the Word of God, and I trust you've already read it this morning before you came to church. But if you're reading the Word of God just to check off your spirituality, you're doing it by works. Reading the Word of God by faith is that I want to know more about Jesus Christ. And why he would love this piece of flesh. Why is it that I am called a child of the living God? Why would he even give me the breath to continue on in this journey? It's described earlier in Galatians 2.20. I do it because he loved me and gave himself for me. We do it by faith. Not to honor ourselves, but to honor Jesus Christ and to grow into his image, to mature in his image. The Apostle Paul says, how are you growing? Is it by works that you're just doing? Or is it by faith? The third question, verse 3. I'm sorry, that's verse 3, verse 4. On what basis is your persecution? On what basis is your persecution? If you have the time this afternoon and you're not doing anything, there's nothing good on TV anyway. Don't be watching the NFL. In my household, NFL stands for not for long. But read Acts chapter 14. Because in Acts chapter 14, the Apostle Paul is in the region that he's writing this letter to. He's in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Pisidia. He is in that region, and he's being persecuted. And in fact, in verse 22, 
he talks about how persecution is brought about because of identification. And he recognizes that in order to be like Jesus Christ, we are going to be persecuted. Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, but also the fellowship of his suffering. Persecution is part of the life of a believer person. Why? Because Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And because of persecution, we realize that our faith is not in vain. Just yesterday, in the city of Chicago, there was a prayer meeting that was happening in a park. And there was an individual that had Black Lives Matter on his shirt. He showed up to try to disrupt it, but what he found out is he found Jesus. The mayor wasn't satisfied, and so the mayor sent police officers there to break up the praise meeting and the prayer meeting because it was a city park, and so what they did is they just went to the street. And they continued on. The world doesn't like the gospel. The world wants us away, and guess what, dear people? One day this world is going to get its wish. We're going home. Then they'll have all that they want, and when they get what they want, they're going to find out it's not what they wanted. Because in Jesus Christ is the only way we can find peace. Oh, dear person, take heart. You may be trying to share your faith with individuals at work, and they may look at you as if you've got five heads, but praise the Lord, your faith is not in vain. You'll never be persecuted if you run with the dogs. But if you swim upstream, you're going to be persecuted. And it won't be in vain. The last question I've got to move right along is, on what basis did God perform miracles? In Acts, again, in Acts chapter 14, talking about the miracles of individuals coming to know Jesus Christ. Do you know that every individual who comes to trust the gospel of Jesus Christ and becomes a child of God, that's one of the greatest miracles of all time. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, is God doing this because you deserve it? Have you worked hard enough for it? And of course, the answer is no. And because of that, in verses 6 to 9, the Apostle Paul uses Abraham as an example. There's three passages you can turn to, Abraham, or, uh, Genesis 12, Genesis 15, and Genesis 17. 12, 15, and 17. In chapter 12, in verse 3, God tells Abraham that through you, through your seed, all the world will be blessed. 
It's the beginning of, if you will, what's called the Abrahamic Covenant. In chapter 12, it's about the generations. In chapter 15, it is about the land. You shall have all the land. And in chapter 17, it is the confirmation of the covenant between Abraham and God through the system of circumcision, which we do not use. We use baptism now. Circumcision was to be an outward expression of an association with the God of heaven. We use baptism now. But you'll notice in that particular realm that as Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, that was over 300 years before the law came. And as we get into the final verses of chapter 3, you realize the Apostle Paul comes back to this truth and the realization that it wasn't by Abraham keeping the law that he was just justified. It was a fact by his faith. He is our example. That when there was no law, he just believed God. Oh, in, in, in chapter uh, 17, also is the pronouncement that he would have a child. 15, he was given that promise. In 17, the child is born. And then in 22, God says, take your son, your only son that you love, and take him to a mountain and kill him. It's a great study of faith in the life of Abraham. And he was accounted as being righteous because he believed God. Faith is nothing more than taking, putting feet to the truth of God's word. It's believing what God says and just doing it. And so here we are in this particular chapter of Galatians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul is getting back the attention because he leaves chapter 2 with an interesting statement and it says, if everything could be done by works, then Christ died in vain. And so now he's focusing in on theology, justification by faith, not by works. Later on, he writes to the church at Ephesus, lest anyone should boast. It's by faith. A great Bible teacher shared a lesson that he learned as he and his wife found themselves in an airport. When you go to an airport, you realize that there are walks that you can get on where you don't have to do much. It'll take you. He decided to get on one of those walks, one of those automated walks, and his wife decided to, to walk by her own strength. While he was on that walk, he thought to himself, I'm walking in the Spirit. Because how I'm moving is not by my own strength. And he looked back on his wife and he said, you're walking in the flesh. 
Because all that you're doing is in your own strength and own power. He got to the end of the walk, right to the gate of where they needed to be for their next flight. And he's looking for his wife. And he remembers as he was on that walk, he turned around and smiled at her and waved and thought himself to be pretty spiritual. When he got to the end, he looked around and he waited for his wife to catch up and he wasn't seeing her. And he was looking behind and all of a sudden he hears his wife's call in front of him. As he turned, he was amazed that how was it that by your walking in the flesh, you got ahead of me walking in the spirit? And she said, I hopped a ride with one of those carts. And it got me here faster. What the Apostle Paul is getting at, dear people, is this. Are we walking by the flesh? Or are we walking by the Spirit? Walking in the Spirit means we're relying on Jesus Christ to take us where he wants us to go. And it's nothing that I can do, for he's done it all. Like the church at Galatia, sometimes we get our eyes focused on other things of this world, and we lose out on what really matters. The Apostle Paul would say to us even, you foolish Christians, you've lost out on your spiritual awareness. Come back to Jesus. He'll take you where he wants you to go. Let's pray. Father, unto you and to you alone, we need to commit ourselves. It's a walk of faith. It's a life that is destined not to do what we want to do, but it is a life that is destined to be empowered by your presence. In these dark days, O Lord, when the world needs to see the light, may it be evident in our lives. As we focus on not what is it that we can do in our own strength, but what is it, O Lord, that you would like to do through us, may we walk in the Spirit. May we be convicted and convinced that all we have is Jesus Christ. And then we'll realize that it's, he's all we need. To you be the glory, O Lord. Take your word and plant it in our hearts that we would determine to follow you in these days ahead. And we'll thank you and praise you in your name. Amen.